Welcome to the Locala Podcast. This is episode 24. My daughter, she saw me one day in the bathroom and she said, Mom, why aren't you looking at yourself in the mirror? And I said, because I'm not beautiful. And she said, yes, you are. You're always beautiful. Look at yourself because you're a queen. Welcome to the Locala Podcast, everybody. I'm Lisa Anderson, your host and publisher of Locala Magazine. Today, we have Darnitha Johnson on the couch, and I'm super excited to have her with us. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation today. I do want to remind you that if you enjoy our content, to go ahead and hit that subscribe button and smash that like button, because that helps us spread the joy of all these wonderful conversations. So let's go ahead and introduce Darnitha. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you. (laughs) So. Oh, you contacted me about being on this podcast, and I'm so glad you did. <laughs> yes, I saw that it was something new, up and coming, and exciting. So I said, let me jump on it. <laughs> well, I'm so happy you did because I've actually had people in the community say that I needed to interview you. And I think it's mostly because you are a part of the um, sexual assault. Yes. Yes. Um, center, and then you also have your own business called the Royal Queens, and I know I'm not remembering the whole title, but you go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and talk about your business first? Let's just get people warmed up and who you are. Okay, Royal Queens Women Empowerment Incorporated was stemmed off of my domestic domestic violence abuse. Um, At first, I didn't love myself. I didn't care about anyone empowering me. I just didn't care about life anymore. And then one day a light clicked on and I said, you know what? You need to start over. You need to find out who you are. And on top of that, my daughter, she saw me one day in the bathroom and she said, mom, why aren't you looking at yourself in the mirror? And I said, Mm -hmm. because I'm not beautiful. And she said, yes, you are. You're always beautiful. Look at yourself because you're a queen. So from there, I just started saying, you know what? I'm gonna start empowering women with domestic violence or whatever they're going through in life, it's time for them to love themselves. Oh, I love it. Where were you? We did a summit not that long ago. <laughs> Needed you on that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind? I don't know. If, let's actually let's go ahead and back up before we get into the heavy okay. parts of this a little bit. Um, where do you come from? Are you originally from Ocala? Yes, I'm from Ocala. One of the unicorns. Yes. (laughs) Original, yes. (laughs) So what has it been like seeing the whole shift that's been happening in Ocala, especially the last few years? I know. It's like you started off with like two little roads, and now there's four lanes. There's overpopulation with cars and people. (laughs) So it's like, it's almost like a culture shock. Yeah. It's like, where did these people come from? It's like almost like Atlanta or L.A., so... It's definitely grown. It's definitely yeah. grown, yeah. Um, so did you ever go away for college and come back, or did you stay here in in the area the um, for your entire life? No, I went to Orlando, okay. went to UCF, and then I came back because my mom ended up in a car accident. Mm. And from there, I've been here. I've ventured okay. to different cities, but I've yeah. always migrated back here. Yeah, it kind of pulls people back in sometimes. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. I've kind of noticed that little bit of a magnet there. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you're comfortable, I'd kind of like to hear the your story about the domestic abuse because, okay. you know, you talk about empowering women, and I think it's really good to know exactly what your story is and where you come from. So if you don't mind talking about that a little bit. No, I'm an open book. Um, it started years ago. I saw my mother go through domestic violence. And as a child, you would always say, I would never go through that. Mm-hmm. No one's going to hit me later in life. 
it started to happen from high school, from the mental abuse from boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Even friends would call me Big Bird, Olive Oil. Ooh. It was those because I was so skinny then before children. Yeah. So that would play a part on me as my self-esteem. It's like, why, why is everybody calling me that? Yes, yeah. I'm skinny. There's other skinny people. But that started with, like I said, the um, emotional and the mental. So from there, I would like downplay myself. I would not think I was pretty. Mm-hmm. I was either too skinny because there were other girls that were a little bit voluptuous and things like yeah. that that guys would look at. So from there, I just started like I dated a guy that I didn't even want to date mm-hmm. pretty much. And from there, after high school, we end up moving in together. It became more verbal abuse and then it turned physical. So I ended up leaving. Okay. Moved in with my mom and still saw the pattern there. But it was more so, I would say, verbal. And then... Towards you or was it? It was towards her. Okay. But then it would turn towards, you know, when she's upset with them, it would come towards me. Okay. And then I ended up moving with my grandmother because I was adopted Mm. by her. But I went back to live with my mother, trying to regain that relationship. Um, From there, I used to work to Hardee's. And met a guy and said, you know what? It's time for me to grow up. I'm beautiful. I'm going to start dating this guy. Ended up finding out this guy was toxic. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that this guy's mother was verbally abusive, an alcoholic. Um, Ended up... You know, at first he was that nice guy like they always are. Always. They show that, oh, I'm so nice. I love you. You're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Found out this guy was ending up doing cocaine. Oh. Did not know he was doing it. I just happened to see like little white residue. And I'm that type of person. That's something that I have never felt the need of, of yeah. drinking or doing, you know, drugs. Because you see it in the African-American community in different families. I was I came up when there was crack cocaine in a can. They were smoking it out of a can. Mm. So that was something I said I would never do. Yeah. Um, when he would get high, he would become aggressive. But as a woman, I would always say, I'm going to stay with him. I'm going to change that person. But yeah. then you have his mother in the ear when she got drunk. She was physically abusive verbally. So what he saw, he mimicked as well. Yeah. Um, one day, it became so bad that he had started doing it. I just accepted it and like blocked it out. Oh, I can change him. He's going to change. And then one night he said, I love you, but I don't want you. And from there, I was like, you know, you try to make somebody want you. He choked me until I passed out. Mm. Finally came back, you know, to that next morning, I packed up a mattress on top of my car, drove back to my mother. It was like this, like you said in Ocala, it keeps pulling you back. So I ended back up there for a short period of time. And then my friends, they used to hang out where Madison Street is. It used to be like a little hangout there. We would hang out and I met um, my daughter's father. Had no kids at that time. Um, Ended up pregnant with my daughter. Abuse there. Left Mm -hmm. there. It was like... A repetitive. I was continuously yeah. attracting the same things. Same thing. Well, and yeah. I imagine that had a lot to do with your confidence, too, because if you hadn't yes. built that back up yet. Yeah. Yeah, your confidence, it will make you feel like that person makes you think you're the most beautiful person in the world, even so, though they're doing the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, the emotional. But you feel like you can change that person, but you can't. But you yeah. still stay 
think because they tell you that one time or you're beautiful. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times they're sneaky too. Yes. yes. They push, they wait and they push their boundaries. They see how much they can get away with. And by the exactly. time they start doing the stuff that you as a person start really noticing in that mm-hmm. relationship, you're kind of hooked. Yeah. It's a little bit too late then, yeah. you know, and you block it out. Yeah. We tend to make internalize excuses. Yep, yeah. and make excuses for them saying that, mm-hmm. you know, Maybe I did something. Maybe they're having a bad day. And technically, it's not. You're the one that's, you know, hindering yourself from going somewhere or hindering them to just move on when they want to. So at that point, I was going out with my friends. I was pregnant, but then I didn't know I was pregnant. Mm. So I was going out with my friends, driving back and forth to Gainesville. That's where I met my ex-husband. I did not like this guy. And I tell women, if that intuition, if it tells you something, you need to really listen. Because I did not like him. I was like, God, I always mess with guys that look good. He was nerdy with glasses. Maybe. eh." He was like, could you hold my money? And I'm like, I hope this is not going to impress me. Okay, (laughs) I'll hold your money, but you're going to get it back. Gave it back to him at the end of the night. And he was like, oh, can I call you? Again, Mm self-esteem plays a part on you. Uh, he's different. He's like glasses nerdy. Okay. Something in me kept saying, he is not good for you. Didn't pay attention once again. Um, start showing, found out I was pregnant and things like that. Once I had my daughter, that's when the control started. Mm. My cousin came to visit me one day and the baby was in the room and I went down in the den because I was still living with my mom. And the baby started crying. So I told my cousin, I'm getting ready to go get the baby. Before I could go get the baby, he came in and said, do you hear this such and such baby crying? And who is this? And we both, my cousin, myself, we just paused. And he was like, I'm her cousin. I don't care who you are. Come get this baby. And I was like, it was embarrassing. Yeah. You know, and my cousin, he was just like, go ahead and get the baby. I'm going to leave. And he was like, well, don't come back here anymore. Because he actually didn't think it was my cousin. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, from there, I saw the sign there. But the light did not come on. Because at this point, single black woman with a child, you don't want them growing up without a father. Yeah. You know? And from there, I stayed. He ended up marrying me the year after my daughter was born. Um, From there, that's when the cheating started. That's I gained so much weight when I said I put on at least about 200 more pounds with my daughter. I was huge. Yeah. So the self-esteem had went to zero to yeah. none. Yeah. He would say no one is ever going to want you with your fat such and such. And no one's going to love you like I love you. And it got worse from there. It really from being called Big Bird to olive oil with all of that internalized. I didn't care about myself. Yeah. You know, I didn't have my mom. She didn't give me that, you're beautiful, you're okay. You know, right. I didn't get that from anyone. So I didn't know. Yeah. So we stayed. Was, was there isolation too? Was he isolating you from your parents? Yes, friends? he no. isolated me from my mom, my grandmother, because at that time we had moved out. We moved on his dad's property. Okay. It was like little houses in a row. So from there, it was like his dad would fight one day. We would fight the next. So it was like an isolation thing. Mm-hmm. My mom didn't come see me. No one came and, you know, see me out there. So it was, he was all I had between him and my daughter. Yeah. But I went through the abuse. Then I end up one day going blind. So that's what Ooh. really 
I don't know how I became blind. Wow. I, that was the second time I've lost my eyesight. The first time in high school. Wow. It's, and then the second time with him. So oh, my at, goodness. So, so it was kind of like an overnight blindness? Overnight, yes. Oh, my goodness. It just, my eyes just started itching one day, and then I guess I kept rubbing, and I just rubbed the cornea part off. Ooh. And Yeah. So I had to wear patches. Yeah. So he pretty much dumped me off to his mom's house. And from there, you know, I could see like um, shadows, but yeah. not as much, yeah. enough to kind of drive. And I, I was like, okay, are you coming to get me? Yeah. No, my mom can watch you and the baby. He went back to the house. Intuition again, I knew something wasn't right. So I get in the car half blind. Can't see anything but the glare from the lights, and I drive out there to find where he's at. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How did you make it there without an accident? That, that was the grace of God. Oh my that was gosh. the grace of God. So I ended up finding him, and um, crazy as I was back then, chased him around the parking lot, you know. and he's cheating on you? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that didn't make it any better, but I end up staying, end up staying, got my eyesight back, went to the doctor. He told me, he said, if you lose your eyesight again, for whatever reason it is, I'm calling the police on you. Didn't know why I was losing it, yeah. you know, and I think it stimulated from stress, Yeah, you know. So from there, we ended up staying together over 10 years, ended up having Three other children, one that passed away at two months. Mm -hmm. I was still alone with that because he was on the road driving trucks. Oof. So that my daughter had trisomy 18. That's a genetic chromosome disease. And when she passed away, I was the only person there. So I was still oh, alone. Oh, my gosh. Oh. So, yeah. That must have been so difficult. Yes. I, I mean, my goodness. Yeah, just to watch your child, you know, basically look at you. You have a priest come in and tell you you have to let her go. You know, because their life expectancy is not even beyond birth, but she yeah. lived to two months. Wow. So to be called that morning after dropping two other children off to school, you're driving down I-75 doing 90 to 100 miles per hour. You walk in and they say, you have to let her go because we're not going to resuscitate her. Oh. And I had to look at you have to look at your child at two months old and say it's OK. And when I said that. She coded. She looked up at me, smiled, and coded. Oh. So to watch your child pass away and already go through mental abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, I was a wreck. Yeah, absolutely. You know? How old were your other children at the time? Um, Ashley should have been maybe five. And my son Dorian should have been like around three okay. at that time. So... Oh, and then you have to figure out how you're going to take care of the other children at the same time, huh? Yeah, it was like I, I found strength from somewhere because I still did the mother, motherly duties. Yeah. Um, end up having a son after her. Okay. You know, he's my youngest, and he was a little sickly. Mm -hmm. You know, I stemmed a lot of that from when my ex-husband was in the military mm -hmm. because they were, those three children were always sick. Something was always wrong with them. Yeah. From there... I just, I said, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I just, I walked around like a zombie mm -hmm. each and every day. Um, went through more mental abuse. When he wouldn't cut the grass, I would go out and cut the grass. I would have to come in and cook. I would be so tired that I ended up dropping a pot of hot grease on my foot, had first degree oh, burns. Oh, gosh, so, Yeah, I would have to drive myself to the hospital because he wouldn't take me to get the, um, 
what do they call it, paraffin on your legs. So it was more things I would have to do. I've experienced death so many times, you know, when I was with him, you know, between getting the tonsils taken out and the artery bursting. That was the only time that he actually took me to the hospital because I had blood gushing. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You, like, one physical thing after another. Yes. Mostly related to stress, do you think? It's a lot of it, stress, because the doctor told me once they took my tonsils out that, oh, 99%, nothing happens. Yeah. I just kept clearing my throat, and I was like, something's not right. And then he was in there sleeping, getting ready for work, and then the next thing I know, I cleared one time, and I just saw blood gushing. And I'm, like, shaking, like, I got to go. Yeah. And end up going and ended up emergency surgery. So it's been tragedy after tragedy. He ended up later in the years getting killed in front of my children. He was murdered. Yeah. Oh, Darnitha. But at that time, we had already separated. Yeah. I had a lifetime restraining order because he would stalk me oh. every day. And his mom, his sister told me, if you ever left my brother, I would help you. I would tell people, don't believe everything somebody tells you, especially if they're related to that person. Because once you go or you change, they're going to turn on you because they're going to take that side of family. So when I left him, he ended up going to jail because he almost killed me one night. He wanted me to, um, his aunt used to own a a diner downtown. Mm -hmm. And it used to be on Friday nights, you know, women, men hanging out and everything. Something I didn't, at that point when I had my daughter, I didn't want to go out anymore. Right. That motherly instinct with yeah. kids, I it kicked in because I wanted my kids to have their mother and love me. You know, like I, re- I had, my mom loved me, but I was adopted, so my grandmother was my mother. Yeah. So at that point, he wanted me to have a threesome. That's mm-hmm. something I did not believe in. Yeah. So at that point, I'm finding out, okay, you're cheating again. So I said, okay, I'm sleeping on the couch. My daughter... As children, they're going to ask you questions they don't know, you know, out of the mouth of babes. She said, Mom, why aren't you sleeping in the room with Dad? I was like, oh, God. So once I did, I went in there and I got into bed. I slept on the edge of the bed. To this day, I still sleep on the edge of the bed. Um, He said, you're my wife. You're going to have sex with me. I said, no, I'm not. So at that point, he straddled me. Start beating me in my face, start beating me in my ribs and told me, I'm going to kill you. And he said, and I'll kill the kids and they'll never find you guys. So he, I think he thought that intimidated me. I didn't know that when he was trying to pry open my legs that as women, because we give birth, that our legs are very strong. So I kind of like gripped and kept my legs closed. And that's what made the beatings more worse. And he held my mouth because he didn't want the kids to hear in the next room. So I ended up running to the bathroom because I didn't want to leave the kids by themselves. And I was in there taking a shower. I felt like a rape victim. Even though it wasn't penetrated, I felt it because it's like it stripped me of my whole dignity. Absolutely. And I think that was the turning point for me because he said, oh, I'll never do it again. At that point, when I say I became a mummy, a zombie, that was leading into um, New Year's Eve. Okay. Going to church and went to um, a church with him. And I just sat there and I just rocked. And I rocked. And they said, when midnight comes, hug the person that you love or someone. I couldn't even touch him. I couldn't even look at him. I couldn't look at anyone. Mind you, the pastor knew what had been going on because that's the same pastor that counseled. 
okay. but did nothing. So that next morning, I already had started a new job, and I went to the job, and I had the scratches and bruises, and we had a meeting that morning. And my boss's daughter was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, nothing. Shut up. Just shut up. And she went and told her mom, and when she came out, she said some choice words. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, H, no, I'm going to kill him. Because she knew something wasn't right about him. So she took me to the police department. That's where I had met Donna Gwen at. And from there, that's when my freedom began. Okay. Um, as women of domestic violence, yes, we tend to want to go back. Mm-hmm. But I knew I couldn't yeah. because I knew that I would die and my children would end up dying. Yeah. Um, I left. I got a lifetime restraining order, which... That does not help because it's just a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper. Yeah. I do have a quick question for you. Um, you know, I know that uh, I was in an emotionally abusive, almost physical abusive relationship as well. And um, I've been told by women who have children that sometimes that's the only thing that pulls you out. Do you think that was your biggest pull or do you think it was equal, both your life and their life? It was never about mine. It was about my children. Once yeah. the abuse started on them, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter get abused for not being able to ride, ride a bike. Okay. Or if she didn't make a straight A, she would get abused. Yeah. So once it stemmed and turned on them, I knew it was time to go, yeah. you know, because when my youngest, well, second son started hitting his sister, that was already a pattern starting. That yeah. was already starting to get embedded in him. Yeah. So like I said, my godmother, which was she was my boss at the time, okay. that was like a guardian angel for yeah. me. That's when that was my outing. Yeah. I couldn't trust anybody else, you know, from the family, from my family. I couldn't trust anybody. Yeah. Because even with your family, when they go through it, it's like what happens in the house stays in the house. Closed yeah. mouth. Yeah. So she was that outing for me to get out. And my children, like I said, they ended up going to counseling, you know, um, but they they were a bigger part of me leaving. Yeah. You know, I don't think if my godmother would have came in or if they were abused, I think I probably would have still been there. Yeah. You know, so after leaving him, I felt kind of free. But mm-hmm. then with the stalking, I was still in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's how long did he stalk you? Uh, I left him in 2005. He stalked me up until the day he died in 2009. Wow. Wow. And how and how did your um, children handle the murder? I mean, you said that they saw it. Yeah, they. Yeah. My daughter was home with me because I had okay. an apartment at that time. But my um, two sons and my little cousin, I had custody of. Okay. They were there with him. He came down and he was visiting from Jacksonville, and from there. I saw him that day because I dropped the kids off, and there was a look in his eye that you would never, ever see again. It's like you know a person that when they're getting ready to pass, it's a certain look like emptiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I dropped them off, and you know that's when we had kind of like peaceful contact because he didn't even have contact with the kids. Okay. So from there, um, I went home. I, me and my daughter, she was doing her homework. And the next thing I know, her godfather called me, and he was like, where are you at? And I'm like, why? He was like, where are you at? And I'm like, I'm home. With Ashley doing homework, he said, where are the other kids? Well, they're with my um, mother-in-law and their dad. He said, you need to get over there. And I was like, why? He said, something happened. 
At this point, I grab my daughter. We get over there. The whole road is blocked off. Yellow tape, everything. Mm. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? You know you're not supposed to cross red tape. Yeah. But as a mother, you don't care. Right. You're you just know? trying to get to your kids. Yes. You I know? snatched the tape up. The post like, I could put you in jail. I was like, okay, I'm going today then. So yeah. at that point, I'm running in a girl that my ex-husband used to mess around with. She was like, well, your kids are over there. And at that point, there was no one of me getting mad at her because I'm trying to find my kids. Yeah. Um, they were at the next door neighbors. What used to be their babysitter. They called Nana. And I'm like, what is going on? What is going on? They're screaming and hollering. The next thing I know, they said that, um, I'm not sure if I can say his name, um, ex-husband Dorian, he got shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what happened? And then came to find out that it was his mom used to be a candy lady. And there was a young boy that used to come there years ago and would buy candy. My ex-husband was known to bully people mm-hmm. because, you know, he played football. He was, like, built and everything. And the my ex-husband was walking down the road with the kids. They were riding bikes and everything. The boy and the girl came through speeding. He told them to slow down. You know, they exchanged words. The boy and the girl backed up. The girl was driving. The boy was on the passenger side. Ex-husband did not like that the boy said something to him. So at that point, my kids were standing next to him, and he's going back and forth because he did not—he had no fear of anyone. So at that point, he stood in front of the car and was slamming his hands on the hood, you know, telling them to slow down and whatever else had been said. He came around to the passenger side, kids still standing there, and him and the boy exchanging words. He— put his hand in the car, swiped the boy, and he hit his nose. Mm. At that point, I guess he had the gun in the, I guess, what did you call it? Were you hide papers out or whatever? Sure, He picked the gun out up and shot him in the heart in front of my kids. My second son had to grab his father, and little as he was, and walk him up to his grandmother's house. When he told his mom that, I'm shot, that's when he fell dead in front of the kids. So. so how are your kids doing nowadays? Thriving adults. Good. They went through their counseling with everything at Kimberly's Cottage. Yeah. Um, they lost their counselor like a few months after they got her. She ended up passing away. They loved okay. her. But now my daughter, she's 25. She graduated from FAU. She's an accountant. Um, my second son, he works at SMA as a supervisor counselor as his own home. My youngest is a photographer. So through all of the tragedy and triumph Mm -hmm. that they went through, they turned out to be great, productive citizens. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So when did you get involved with working with the um, sexual uh, assault center? Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I used to be a victim there at first. Yeah. So went from victim to working there. I think it was in... Might have been 2011. Okay. Worked overnight. And then... End up leaving there, wanting to go into their nursing field. Yeah. Left and came back last year. Okay. After I went and did the self-therapy and everything like that. So I ended up coming back there because I felt like I had to find myself first. Mm -hmm. I had to love myself, empower myself, and build myself up before I can go in there and help someone else. Absolutely. So that's how I ended up back there last year. And what exactly does your business do for empowering women? Um, I do local speeches. Like if someone wants me to come out, I do empowerment speeches. Um, A lot of self-counseling from personal events for myself, 
with the women in the shelter or on Facebook, social media, however they contact me if they know my story. Referral services, if you need someone to go with you, like to state attorney's office, I will go there, walk you through the paperwork. Um, Police department, if they need help to talk to someone, they'll contact me and I'll talk to them one-on-one. Um, I empower with the homeless community. I go out, feed them, make sure they have socks and blankets, um, snacks and things like that. And even with teenage girls to let them know what I went through, you don't have to go through. You can love yourself if you're a hundred pounds or three or 400 pounds. Right. So everything that I do through my empowerment, Mm. it comes from personal, you know, you could go to counseling, but that's from books. Right. You need to talk to someone that has actually been through something and came out of it. Yeah, I think that's what's so important about sharing stories like this. And I think that's what really draws me to have people share their stories because mm-hmm. it helps people connect with not only humanity, mm-hmm. and but also to see that other people have gone through similar situations as what might their situation be. And if they can come out of it, so can so can they. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't believe it, but our half an hour is almost up already. <laughs> I know, I know. So normally I ask if there's anything I didn't ask you, but today I'm going to ask, is there anything that you want to say to people that might be in your situation um, to help them kind of make that next step to getting out? Okay. As a woman or for men, Never second-guess your intuition. If something does not feel right, if it does not look right, don't go into it. You know, love yourself. You have to have that self-worth. People will call you anything, but you don't have to answer to it. You know, if you answer to it, then you're accepting what they're trying to present to you. Even if you're in a bad relationship, there is a way out. I made it out. You know, it took years and of abuse and different things like that. But I'm one of those women that actually have made it out. And once you do make it out, go back out there and help pull someone up, empower them, show them that they're not alone and that you love them and you'll always be there for them. Well, thank you so much, Darnitha. You're welcome. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I appreciate that you share your story with multiple people other than this platform. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it's so important, and uh, I really appreciate your courage that it takes to do that. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us here on the Locala podcast. Once again, I'm Lisa Anderson, your host. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please go ahead and give us a like if you enjoyed this content and subscribe. Hit that notification bell. And we'll see you next time on the Locala podcast where we focus on connections through stories. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Locala podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead, like, share, and download. Your support is truly appreciated.